0: Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jennifer Scott and I am the director of Karen Connections. And normally I do the role that Chris is doing today, so it's kind of fun to change roles a little bit, and I'm mostly glad that I'm not Jim. So only for this reason, because you have to take the tough questions. Only for that reason. Otherwise I would love to be Jim Bilby. Who wouldn't? Okay, that was a tough think, intro. I
1: don't think Rob. I don't think Rob would be okay with that.
0: I'm gonna go back to script now. All right. Good. It's, it's on script now. Yeah. Um, so I am glad to welcome my friend, my colleague, to our, um, to our church, to our church body today. Uh, I met Jim first with Chris when we were in seminary, and he was our teacher. Um, then we went to church together for years, and he, is, he and his wife, Michelle, was in the back. Um, we became friends, and we're in a small group together, and um, so I'm glad to have you here. Um, he got his undergraduate degree from University of Northwestern, St. Paul. Did you hear the pause? Anyone listen to KTIS? You know that they've changed names, and now they have this pause between the... I just like to make fun of that just a little bit, because I am a Bethel alum. Uh, But he did go to Bethel as well. He got his MDiv from Bethel Seminary, and then his PhD from Marquette. And now he teaches full-time as a professor at Bethel in their College of Arts and Sciences, in their religion and their biblical and theological studies department, specializing in theology and philosophy. So... You're scaring him. (laughs) <laughs> I know that might scare you a little bit, but he really is an everyday guy in addition to that brilliant uh, mind that he has. And so, actually, I will. Question. I'm going to keep introducing and I'm going to say just what I love about his heart. Um, he is also an author. He's an author and a co editor of several books. You can find him on Amazon. His latest book is Understanding Spiritual Warfare, part of the Four Views um, books. And. Um, he won the Faculty Excellence Award this year at Bethel, and I know he doesn't want me to do that, but I was at his, um, his little talk that he gave to, to fellow faculty, and Really what his heart was during that that talk was about his family and about that. how that is really um, his greatest love and and what he really wants to invest in in addition to his academic and scholarly pursuits. So his wife is Michelle. I mentioned that. She has deep covenant roots, so we're glad to have her here in her home territory. Um, They have four kids. Their oldest is, I'm having a total, Sierra. I knew it. She's not here, so I'm looking for her face. That's why Sierra and then Maddie is here. And Zach is here, and then their youngest, Malia, is also here. So we're glad you are joining us today, Jim. Uh, He's used to tough questions. This is what his job is, right? He he meets with students. He lectures. He talks about difficult things in the realm of philosophy and theology. So he's not afraid of our question, and it's not a new question, and yet I think it's one that we're going to wrestle with today, that every person, every kid... Every teenager, every grown-up, every grandparent, you really never kind of stop wrestling with the whole idea of prayer. Um, And so as we met before this this Sunday morning um, to kind of outline what we were going to talk about, he said, you know, it seems like we kind of got two branches to this topic of why doesn't God answer prayer. So the first one really is um, why pray in the first place, so why should we pray, and then the second is, is is linked to it but is not it, and that is why is it some prayers don't get answered. So... That's your intro. So here, Jim, as we start today, um, if you could, kind of on the link of why we pray, can you just start us off with some kind maybe some commonly held views or misunderstandings of what prayer is or isn't?
1: I think prayer is, uh, first, it's one of the most important things in the Christian life. Uh, Theologian John Calvin called this the chief exercise of faith. This is, prayer is a big deal um, in the Christian faith. Uh, The problem is it's something that we so often misunderstand. There's so many misconceptions out there, and that leads to questions that, again, these questions are right to the core of the faith, and so they scare us. Let's just, be, let's just pause to acknowledge this. Sometimes we bump into questions in the Christian faith, and we really sit back and we kind of go, you know what? I don't even know if I want an answer to this, because I might not like that answer, right? So first thing to say is when you bump into a question like this, it doesn't work to just ignore it. Right? These things will come back and loop around and cause problems in one shape, way, or form. It's better to continue to engage this. And this question in particular is because it's so important. It's something that we have to engage. Uh, the, our understanding of prayer gets skewed in so many different ways. Culture messes it up. Sometimes misunderstandings you know, from Christians surrounding, surrounding us sometimes give us skewed pictures. Um, I think there are four main misconceptions about what prayer is. The first is that prayer uh, is kind of like magic, right? It's the sort of thing that we have to say the right words. It's kind of like an incantation. If we say the right words in the right way at the right time, then poof, we'll get whatever we're asking for. Um, you know, do I have to be on my knees when I'm praying? Or maybe if I'm on my knees, it'd be more likely that the prayer will be answered. And then, of course, we well, got to pray in the morning, right? because God doesn't really listen after, say, 8.30 in the morning, right? And you get extra bonus points if it's before 6, right? I mean, we have all these sort of pictures that, like, oh, prayer will work better if I close my eyes, right? Or prayer works better if I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, we have this picture. We have this picture that prayer is kind of magical, right? And then... We supposedly did everything we were supposed to do, and we, prayer's not answered. Okay, well then, God doesn't like me, or something, right? So that's a first misconception. The prayer works like magic. The second is that prayer's like twisting God's arm. He, he, he's not really that interested in giving us stuff. We have to keep bugging him, right? And eventually, after we've bugged him long enough, he's like, okay, you're kind of annoying me. I'll just give you what you want, and then we'll all be okay. Then you won't have to bug me anymore. Right, and so often we treat prayer the way we even approach it, God's not on our side. And we have to kind of convince him and twist his arm into doing something. The third misconception is that prayer is irrelevant. God is already gonna do what he's gonna do. God has his plans. What do we know anyway? So eventually then we just stop praying. You know, we we don't even we don't even acknowledge to ourselves the things that we authentically want. Right? And, of course, we never ever say it out loud to God or acknowledge it to fellow believers in Christ. Right? We end up just saying, well, God's going to do what he was going to do anyway. And, we, and it's hard to, it, when we do that. It's just we kind of fall away. We don't really engage. And the last one, the last common misconception is that prayer is this thing that we just go to God asking for stuff. Right, That prayer is this exclusively petitionary thing. We ask God for things. Now, of course, that's a big and important thing, but that's not what it's about. Prayer is about so much more. And I think the key idea that we have to have to help overcome these misconceptions is that prayer has to be understood in the context of a relationship, right? Let me give you an analogy, a way of thinking about this. Suppose you're a parent and you have kids, right? Suppose... The only time they ever talk to you is when they're asking you for things, right? If your kids never talk to you unless they're begging you for an iPhone, even if you want to give them the iPhone, you might go, eh, you're not getting it, right? Or if your your engagement with your kids is always like, okay, well, what formula do I use to talk to you about right now? Or, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, so who cares, right? I mean... Everybody would acknowledge that that would be a really messed up sort of engagement and relationship between a parent and a child. I think the analogy is similar. If we understand prayer as the sort of thing that emerges out of a relationship, we can overcome a lot of these misunderstandings that we so commonly have about prayer.
0: That is so true. I get hung up on that last one a lot. Uh, So one of the tenets of prayer, Christ followers is that we believe with all of our hearts that we're made in God's image. That you're made in God's image. That I'm made in God's image. And and inherent is that in that is that God knows us intimately um, because He made us. And so, if God knows us, knows how we're wired, yeah. knows our hearts, knows what we knows what we want. What is the benefit then of of the discipline of prayer? Right. If He already knows us.
1: Yeah. Because we believe that God not only knows us, He probably knows us better than we know ourselves, right? So if we want something, you know, a parking spot at Bethel because the parking lot's obnoxiously filled all the time. For a
0: hypothetical.
1: Purely hypothetical. You know, he knows that we want the Minnesota Vikings to not be terrible this year, right? So... (laughs) Only some of us want that. (laughs) If he already knows it, why even ask? What's the point, right? Well, again, return to the idea of the relationship. Think of, I I know a lot of times what my kids want. I know my oldest daughter wants an iPhone more than anything else in the world right now. But the fact that I know she wants that, does that mean that I don't want her to come and talk to me about it? Of course. Of course I want that. I want her to engage. Because it's about the relationship. We sometimes fall into this picture with God that it's just all about the end, right? Him getting his plan or we getting our thing. God cares a lot about the process as well and the relationship that's built through that process. So go ahead. Ask God. God already knows, right? God knows what you want, but it's about the process and about that relationship that's built through that process.
0: And I, I get that. And then sometimes they get hung up on the, on the little things. Um, I, I hopefully I'm, I'm maturing and growing as a, as a Christ follower. But I, and asking for bigger things like uh, hung, uh, food for the hungry and peace for those who are conflicted and healing from addiction. Things. Hopefully I'm asking God for those big things. But if I'm being honest, a lot of my prayer life after kind of my going through the thanks and the praise and is asking for smaller things. And um, I'm wondering what you think about asking God for the little things that maybe are in the grand scheme, not super consequential. So yeah. seriously, for real, I am one of those people that will pray for a parking lot <laughs> spot. Anyone else? You're running late. You're just like, oh, Lord, Please. <laughs> I will ask, and I do thank him. I do remember to thank uh, But there are things like a new job that it maybe in the long run isn't that huge, whether you get this one or that one, but is it okay to ask God yeah. for those smaller things, and does it matter?
1: Yeah, I think we really mess ourselves up. We start uh, playing this game where this is too little. God doesn't really care about this, right? So I'm not going to talk to him about this. I'm not going to let him know that I really want this. Okay, pause for a second and think about that who do you think you're hiding from? I'm not going to talk to him about it so he won't know. Of course he already knows. So it, I don't see there being any problem in voicing to God, you know, I really want this parking spot. I don't want to have to run all the way from Soho lot again, right? Or whatever it would be. Or, you know what? I really want this, this job. This, this would be really comfortable. Or we're buying this house and I'd really like to have this little feature. Get, I think it's a healthy thing for Christians to get to a place where we can just be honest with God and therefore honest with ourselves that we would really like these little things. In other words, I don't think there's anything that's too little. Return to the analogy of, you know, your relationship with your kids. I want my kids to be feel, to feel comfortable to come to me with anything, even just like silly little things, right? And if you were a parent and you, said, and you, you thought your kids... We're like going, well, I'm not going to talk to my parents about, you know, little things. You'd feel, no, that's wrong, right? Let's also pause to note that sometimes the things we think are little tiny things are probably big deals. And sometimes the things we think we think are really important things maybe aren't a lot of times that important. So it, it's fine to come to God with little things. But, and, and there's, I suppose you could say there's always a but here, right? Right. Um, Let's not fall back into this misconception that prayer works like magic. Well, you said I get to pray about little things. Okay, so I'm going to pray that Christian ponder is really good this year. Wait, it didn't happen? Come on, you know, God, what's your problem? So the, pr- the danger to fall into is that anything you ask of God, regardless of how silly, will happen. Right? That's treating God like a cosmic vending machine trying to make prayer be magic. Right? So it... Yes, pray for little things, but don't let it fall into this mindset that of course, anything you pray for has to happen then yeah.
0: which which goes to, which brings us back to it 's not necessarily just about us but it 's about god, and another tenet of of the faith of Christianity is that God is sovereign, uh, God is good, and God is sovereign, so within that, if we really believe God is sovereign, does that then lead to God is going to do what god 's going to do anyway so is it even worth it? Yeah, that I mean, kind of
1: falls into that other misconception yeah. where why even pray? Right. God, God's in control. And here's the thing. We believe that God's in control. It's not Christianity if, if we're thinking God's up there going, oh, shoot, that, you know, oh, darn, I didn't get anything happened. You know, no, nobody, nobody in, in the Christian faith would be comfortable with that. We believe that God's in control, that he accomplishes his plan. But then it, with, with respect to this question, then, well, if he's going to do what he's going to do anyway, why ask him for it? You know, he, it's already predetermined. It's, it's going to happen. So here's the thing. I think we need to balance this. We need to say, yes, God does accomplish his plan. So that, that's a core element of the Christian faith, that God is sovereign, that God is in control. But here's the other thing that Scripture is very, very clear about. And honestly, I don't really understand this. This doesn't make that much sense to me. If I was God, I might not have done it this way. But maybe it's really good I'm not God, right?
0: Probably. God,
1: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just take that as a given. Um, God has chosen, for some reason, to work with us. God has chosen to collaborate. I mean, think evangelism. We don't do very good at this. God, wouldn't it be... In terms of our ideas about what would be efficient, what would be helpful, what would get the job done, God should just take over, right? Because we mess this up. We don't do what we should. There's so much more we could be doing... But God, it seems, in his wisdom, has chosen to collaborate with us. Now, you ask, why? And I think Scripture gives us the answer to this, too. And it's very closely related to a point I just made earlier. God's not, it seems, just interested in the end, in accomplishing his plan. He's also interested in the process, the way it gets, gets accomplished. So he's not just interested in the most efficient way of doing things. He's willing to do things in ways that might not be the most efficient, but allows us to participate and grow through that process and grow in relationship with him through that process. Let me give you an example. Uh, Three years ago, we built a house. Uh, I generaled it, um, and I did a lot of the work myself. And we were two weeks or so away from getting our certificate of occupancy, you know, final bit. And I remember I'm working 16 hours a day trying to do all this last stuff. You know, my list was, you know, 50 items long of things that I had to do. And one morning, I uh, was down in the basement. I'm framing up the energy walls. And uh, Michelle calls me and and says, I want to drop Malia, uh, my youngest. At the time, she is six. I need to drop her and let her just run around a little bit, you know, because I need to get some errands done. And I'm like, okay, sure. Well, Malia comes downstairs, and uh, she says, Dad, I want to help. And I remember thinking, this is not going to help me accomplish my plan. This is not going to be the most efficient way of doing this. But happily, I overrode those. I said, okay, let's do this. And we, for 45 minutes... Accomplish what I could have done in 90 seconds. But the payoff was after we'd built the house, that we just moved in, The uh, our family came over, and, and there's this entire gaggle of girl cousins that came in the door. And Malia comes running up to them and says, let me show you the place where I helped Daddy build this house. Right? And she was so proud. And I remember thinking that, and I'm like, Thank goodness I didn't let my picture about what is efficient and what is productive and what would help me accomplish my plan override it. And I think God is the same way, that God is, yes, he has his plan. or right? He's still going to get things done, but he's going to get things done sometimes in ways that isn't the most efficient way because he's willing to collaborate with us in a way that allows us to be a part of it, to learn through it, and to deepen our relationship with him in the process.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good picture. I um, appreciate that idea of partnership, um, knowing that we are far from God, but knowing that he partners with us. So how many of you can think of a prayer that maybe you've been asking God for for a long time and it hasn't yet been answered? Yeah, most of us can. It, it may be right, not, not right now, but I'm thinking at some point in our lives, We've asked God for something and either it it has still remained unanswered or we're in the process right now. So what do you say to the person who, who even understands that, you know, God partners with us and it's important to pray? What do you say to the kid, the teen, the grandparent, the person who is waiting and saying, what about the unanswered prayer?
1: Yeah. Again, it doesn't get much harder than this. I have for five years when I try to engage really hard problems like this, I do something really counterintuitive when I first do it. When I hit a hard problem, I first try to make it harder, make it more difficult. The reason why is that sometimes these problems, they're so difficult because they're so important and central to our way of thinking. right? And the worst thing you can do to a question like that is to give half an answer to half the problem. So, when I think about this problem, the problem of unanswered prayer, I want to kind of dwell on it and see, and see what exactly the problem is. Notice, it's not just, why doesn't God give us what we ask for? Because, again, we ask for some stuff that we may look back, you know. I, may, I asked for things when I was 20 that I am thrilled to death that God, God did not give me. Right? Amen. I mean, even Garth Brooks has that song, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Right? So it's not just, God, why don't you give me the stuff I ask for, right? The problem is sometimes we ask for stuff that we think there's no way God doesn't want to give this. We ask for the healing of a child with cancer. You know, our best prayers, you know, the good ones. We ask for justice in the world. We ask for an abusive situation to be resolved, Right? We ask for stuff that we think, God really wants this. And Scripture is amazing in terms of its promises about that God gives us what we ask for. Let me read a quote from uh, my favorite author, C.S. Lewis. He says, The New Testament contains embarrassing promises that what we pray for with faith we shall receive. I'm not asking why our petitions are so often refused. The real problem is why their fulfillment is so lavishly promised. So that's really the problem. It's not just God. Why don't you give me stuff? It's that some of the stuff we pray for, we can't imagine why God wouldn't give it to us, right? And Scripture gives all these promises that the prayer of a righteous person availeth. You know, gives them. It works, right? You have not because you ask not, and all these sorts of things. That's the problem of unanswered prayer. Now, the problem, when you bump into a problem like this, the temptation is to kind of make the problem go away, right? Somebody comes up and says, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening. And they're really hurt and they're distraught. The temptation is to give them a simple answer so they'll go away and stop bringing you down right? I think we often do this with this sort of difficult, prob, uh, difficult problem. We want to quick answer it so we can put it on the checked off list and be done with it, right? So there are some really common, what I call simple, really simplistic answers that we give to why doesn't God answer prayers. The first over simplistic answer is, well, it's God's fault. You know, God's, You know, it's not God's will, you know, Problem is, if you say it's not God's will and you're praying for something like, you know, the healing of a child with cancer, you're like, how can that not be God's will? And then you end up with some really messed up theology about God not really being good, right? The second simplistic answer we uh, often give to why our prayers answered is it's our fault. I'm not praying in the right way. I'm not praying with enough faith, right? I have sin in my life, so clearly, you know, who would want to listen to me anyway? The problem is, then we have such a bad picture of ourselves, we can't imagine ourselves as being the sort of person that God wants to be in relationship with in the first place, so we just kind of run the other direction from God. Right? The last is, you know, we blame it on Satan. Why isn't this happening? Satan's stopping God. But then we end up with some really messed up theology where Satan's as or more powerful than God. And that clearly goes against what Scripture says. In each of these cases, the problem is not that there's not kind of kernels of truth there. The problem is that we try to oversimplify and we say, well, it's all God's fault, right? Or it's all our fault or it's all Satan's fault. Mm -hmm. Scripture universally resists us giving simple answers to this difficult question.
0: So can you think of an example? I know you can. Can you think of an example to share with us about... um how How some of this plays out in in terms of a scriptural example of unanswered prayer
1: yeah well, I mean I think the best example is the book of job uh, story you're all familiar with job's go, things going along just fine Satan says, well, the only reason job's you know following you God is because you give him you know he, he has a good life, so Job has all this good stuff that's just stripped away his family, his health, right he loses everything, and job is there, and he's just distraught he's like He starts blaming God says, God, he he gives a simple answer. The only reason this happens is that you did this, God, I'm blaming you. It's your fault. Then Job's friends come along and these are the friends than which none worse can be conceived of, right? This, it doesn't get these friends like these, you don't need enemies, right? They come along and they start blaming Job. Job, it's your fault. You're sinful, or you did this, or you did this, and if you just repent, then things will all be okay, right? Notice, by the way, at first, when you read the book of Job, Job's friends came and sat with Job, but as so often the case, when we're with somebody who's really struggling, somebody who's really hurting, we feel the need to make it all better to say the thing that will make it all okay. And that's when we start giving simple answers. And that's when Job's friends, when they started doing that, they became the bad friends, right? We need to be quiet and just sit with the people that are struggling with stuff. Resist the urge to start giving them simple answers. So Job gave a simple answer. It's all God. Job's friends gave a simple answer. No, Job, it's all you, right? And God steps into this and he doesn't give him the answer. He doesn't answer the question about why this happens. But he undercuts and he rebukes both of those simple answers. He says, and I'll paraphrase here, right? He says, Job, were you around when I created? Yeah, I didn't think so. How about you just sit down be quiet, right? And, you know, let me try to bring some wisdom to this situation. Um, what he says functionally is, is not. Job don't ask these questions cuz he understands that we, he gave us he gave us our minds. He understands that we ask these questions. What he doesn't what he says you shouldn't do is assume that we can figure it all out or that our simple answer will amount to, yep, this I can figure it all out. I can I can ex- tell you exactly why this happens. So any sort of simple answer that we give is not going to be effective. And in fact, when you look at scripture as a whole, the number of reasons scripture itself gives as to why prayers aren't answers. It's amazing. There's actually found 14 or 15 different things that scripture mentions as to sometimes why prayer is not answered. Sometimes prayer is not answered because it's just not God's will, right? We ask for things that would actually hurt us. And he says, no, I'm not going to let you have that, right? Sometimes it's God's will, but it's not God's timing, right? For whatever reason. Sometimes we are asking for things and we we don't have any faith. We're just doing this go through the motions sort of thing, right? And God doesn't want to encourage that go through the motions sort of approach so he doesn't answer our prayer. Sometimes we're praying for somebody and it's their faith that's in question. Sometimes it's our sin that gets in the way, right? There's so many of these different variables. And even there's this awkward verse in Daniel 10 where... A prayer is delayed, an answer to prayer is delayed for three weeks because of Satan's involvement, right? So it's not that there's no scriptural answers as to why prayers aren't answered. It's that there's so many of them, and in any given instance, we can't say, well, this is it, right? So what scripture does is it does talk about here are some reasons why but scripture is also very clear that we shouldn't put ourselves in a situation where we expect to understand God's wills and God's purpose and the entire situation so well that we know exactly why, why, in any given instance, why prayer is an answer.
0: Yeah, and the, I I would love to do a scriptural study later on, especially if I'm in a period or a season of waiting and and not not hearing from God or not seeing prayers answered in the way that i conceive them of being answered so this is a good resource for all of us so let's just say we're in a time or a season or you're in a time or a season where you're asking god and and hopefully asking for things that would align with as well seemingly um and and it doesn't seem like it's coming out um at all you're hearing from god at all or seeing evidence of an answer so do you recommend going through a checklist or what Do you just say, whatever, I I give up. I mean, how do you process through the period of waiting?
1: Yeah. First thing, there's no simple way to make this easier. Right? There's no magical words that you can say to let something that you've been pouring your heart out to God for a while, and it doesn't seem like that's happening, to go, oh, now I'm great with this. Right? So just, I I think that's an important thing to just pause and acknowledge right but where i the, the place i'm going to take the answer is in the place we started and that is the it's about the relationship it's about the process and sometimes things aren't resolved immediately they aren't resolved in ways that we expected right and sometimes um there are variables that we're just unaware of so for me personally when i engage a question like this i think it's entirely appropriate to kind of do go through a checklist and say, okay, what am i missing here? Maybe what i'm asking for isn't god's will, or maybe it's not god's timing, or maybe there is something about the way i'm doing this that, you know, i'm treating this like kind of a magical situation or i'm trying to think that i'm trying to twist god's arm. Right? So it's appropriate to ask some of those questions, but what's not appropriate is to kind of again fall into giving the simple simple answer. Fundamentally, I think the key insight that I try to have when I'm thinking about these things is it's not just about the end of getting the thing, it's about the process of getting there. And so doing that shifts my mindset from just the single focus on, well, I want this to happen, to in the process of having this happen, hopefully, what are things that I need to learn? What are ways that I can change my praying? And when I focus on that, kind of takes it off. Okay, God, just, okay, I've asked for it. I'm sitting here. Let's go. Come on. What are we waiting for? And it focuses it back on me about, okay, how can I learn? How can I grow through this process? Right? And I found that when I do that over the years, sometimes my prayers subtly change, right? Because I become aware and align my thoughts maybe better with God's, right? But again, the fundamental thing is it's about perseverance and it's about the relationship, it's not just about the end. It's about the process.
0: I remember years ago when my husband and I were praying about something big and really asking God to remove something, uh, a friend of ours who is dear and sweet and not like Job's friends said to us, you know, I just don't want you to miss what God has for you in the waiting. And that was a good, that was a good word for us. Um, well, it's been 30 minutes, and I'm quite sure that the uh, list of questions that we have about prayer or about unanswered prayer... Um, extends beyond 30 minutes so if there are questions that you're wrestling with i'm going to throw this out there to jim because i know who he is and his character and his heart for teaching if there are other questions that you have that are just lingering and they're just right there and they're just bubbling up and you need to ask them feel free to grab him after the service or maybe grab his email or something to to keep the conversation going i'm always willing to chat with people i know chris is as well so as with all of these questions in this, in this series, that they don't just wrap up neatly in 30 minutes. Hopefully, it's giving you something to chew on. So thank you for giving us something to think about, to chew on, to wrestle with in our own lives. So thanks.
2: Thank you. I, um, I was taking notes 12 years ago, or however long it was when we were doing class, and I was taking notes again today. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, one of the things, my big takeaway is I, I so appreciate how he kept bringing it back to relationship, relationship, relationship. And one of the things that we want to continually invite to you guys is to invite you into that relationship. That relationship with God and that relationship with his people. It's in that relationship where you can actually express those questions and wrestle with those questions. With, directly with God, with the spirit of truth who guides us to truth, but also with one another. You know, getting into groups and getting into individual discussions, but but getting with other people where intellectually you can wrestle through these questions. But for most of us, it's not so much even the intellectual as it is the experiential. The, okay, I, I get the answer, but I don't feel the answer. You know, as you're waiting for prayers to be answered, as you're going to God with, why aren't you answering this? To have people that'll come alongside you and wait with you, and walk with you, and not just give you platitudes or simplistic answers, but that'll be there as part of your life. We'd love to invite you into that, too. There's groups, there's individuals, there's all kinds of things. A great place to start, great person to start with right there would be Jennifer. She would love to help you get, begin to get connected. So as we go forth from this place, let me pray a blessing as we do. Uh, please stand and receive this blessing as, as we go forth from this place. Father, we thank you that you are a God who desires to bless us. In fact, one of the things you say about prayer is that we have not because we ask not. Lord, there might be some things. There might be a healing. There might be a situation. There might be something where you're just waiting for them to begin that relationship as you who is the giver of all good things. And so, Lord, we pray for those people that you would bless them with the courage to begin, or possibly even the curiosity, to begin asking you. And Lord, then there's these other things that fit into all other kinds of categories. And I, guess, I we, we pray, Father, that you would bless us with that real relationship with people who know you and with you yourself so that as we walk through those valleys, Lord, that we could, we could walk in faith because we know that you're trustworthy, that you're walking with us, and that your people are walking with us. So Lord, bless us with those relationships. Bless us with that courage. And thank you for blessing us, Lord, with answered prayers. We've seen them right in our midst. In fact, we see them every week. Lord, may may we receive, may we receive from you, the gift of relationships, the gift of faith, as we go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.